Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening on this Friday as we're giving you guys a little podcast to get your weekend going and, and kind of kick things off here, which for a weekend of, of SMU sports, you've got soccer set to take on Virginia tonight in uh, at Virginia, the number one team in the country for men's soccer in the NCAA tournament. So looking for the upset there. And then SMU basketball takes on Georgetown Saturday night. In Moody Coliseum, looking to go to 9-0 and on this season. And then SMU football on Sunday, around midday, should know their bowl destination. So it's going to be a great time to be locked on PonyStampede.com. Look, let's jump right in. Um, we going to talk a little bit about way too early season predictions for, for football. <laughs> I was asked about that on our board. So I'll lead off with that because it's kind of fun. And uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but... When I look at this schedule, I I do think it sets up for another four and zero run in the non conference. Look, you've got Texas State, not great. Stephen F. Austin, not great. North Texas, not great. Then you've got TCU. They're going to have Max Duggan back. Uh, Matt Baldwin, the other quarterback, will be eligible, so they'll have a quarterback competition, I'd imagine. But that's a TCU team that still loses Jalen Rager, and they were very average this year and missed a bowl game. I, I, I like SMU to go 4-0 in the non-conference, and I don't think anyone should blink an eye when when I say that. Then you, you've you got East Carolina, which, gosh, SMU certainly got all they could handle from them last year. But I do think, and, and this is one of the overarching things that I look at when I go into these early season predictions for next year, is SMU going to have Shane Bouchelle back for his second year. And I, I think that's huge in the grand scheme of things. A lot of teams are going to be replacing quarterbacks. And um, I, I think it's going to be ultimately potentially the, the difference for SMU when it comes down to this schedule. So you go at East Carolina, uh, and I'm just going down the list in order of uh, the how uh, future football schedules has it. The dates haven't been announced yet, but East Carolina – I still like SMU to go get a win. I just think that when when you, you by then you're you're going to be rolling. Like I said, Shane Bouchel second year SMU proved they can outscore him already. I like them to do it again. Um, who knows? Maybe the defense takes a step step forward in that regard. Then they play Houston. This is another game that I I just think I, I I've said this before. I'd be very surprised if Derek King's quarterback next year. It's a big difference. I. I I like SMU to to beat Houston again. They're at home this year, so so give me SMU. Memphis, you know they're a touchdown away on the road from beating him, and obviously a critical special teams mistake. And yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't think SMU's far off. Obviously, I, I just don't. And um, I I think. For me, overall, I, I think SMU has a real chance to, to go undefeated and get it done. The, se- the schedule sets up really well, guys. I mean, uh, you, I think your two, tough, two of your tougher games will be East Carolina because it's a tough place to go, play in Greenville. I think they're going to take a little bit of a step up in Temple. You go all the way to Philly. It's going to be tough. But Memphis is – you know, going to be the team on the schedule that is that is circled, that is that is tough to play against, and and you've got to score. And depending on when this game falls in the schedule, which most likely it'll fall in November, 
just because of the kind of traditional way the AAC has been kind of setting these things up. I think SMU is going to be clicking. Again, you return pretty much everyone off on the offensive line. You turn Shane Bouchelle. By then, I think your running game is going to be clicking. In my opinion, they're going to have a red transfer running back that's going to come in and play right away and play well. Kylan Granton, Kedrick James, Reggie Robertson, She Rice, Calvin Wiggins, whoever they land in the, uh, I think, in a transfer wide receiver. You know, it, it's, I think this is the year. I mean, I said it this year, but I, I don't think I was far off. You know, you lose by a touchdown on the road to Memphis, and one of the one of the scores is is a is a kickoff return for a touchdown. And you know, maybe Memphis does that again and beats them. But SMU at home, I mean, I might as well side with them. Navy, again, I think it was more of a product of senior day. Things happen for Navy on that day. Obviously, eighteen straight wins. I mean, how can it not? Uh, I do like SMU to, to beat them next year. They'll be replacing Malcolm Perry. And uh, while Navy always finds a good, suitable replacement at quarterback, I like SMU at home to beat them and outscore them on that turf for real. Temple, uh, good football team. Going to be a really tough test. I think this is one to kind of circle and say, okay, this might be a falter. This might be – and Temple's good at it. I mean, they beat Memphis at home this year. So if I'm looking at a way too early kind of prediction, and depending on when this game falls on the schedule, it could be one of those you know, mid-November games. But I think Temple has a, has a chance to to beat SMU, and so I'll, I'll pick the Owls in that one. And then Tulane and, and Tulsa are the next two on the schedule. I like SMU to win both of those. Tulane's going to be replacing Justin McMillan. I don't know who they have as an ex-quarterback, but I don't think the world of Justin McMillan um, – but they're going to be replacing him. That's a tall task. I'll take SMU. And then Tulsa's kind of listless right now in a way. Um, I know they played SMU hard. I know Tulsa can be a difficult place to play. But I, one And one thing I'll give SMU credit for, they played really well on the road this year. No, I mean, until late in the regular season. But those games were competitive. They played well, especially in Memphis. And um, so I think they're going to be able to take care of business on the road. Kind of similar to... You know, just just how they played on the on the road earlier in the year. Cincinnati going to be a tough one. Very difficult defense. I think I think this is another one where kind of Shane Bichel can shine. They can take deep shots. They can go after him. Stay on the offensive. And I think SMU ends up beating Cincinnati. So I'm looking at an 11-1 regular season, kind of doing what they were. You know, avenging some losses, you know, getting things done, and but that's kind of my early read on it. A lot, it, it could change a little bit as as the dates come out for the conference games. I do think that kind of can play a part sometimes, but that's my early kind of read on uh, the schedule next year, and a lot of that is based on Shane Bouchelle coming back. Speaking of Shane Bouchelle, I was asked where I think Shane Bouchelle could go in the draft, depending if he had a strong senior year. I I I still think when when NFL teams look at him. They're they're not going to give him a lot of credit. They're going to look at you know Texas transfer went to SMU, did this did that, but played really well. Not an not an incredible athlete, but uh, can move around, make make throws. I don't think he's got that elite elite arm. I know his deep ball is very good. There's a difference, but um, I, I I don't. Um, I think they're going to turn on some of that Navy tape and then some of that. Uh, you know, just just certain tape throughout the year, and there it's a lot of a good number of teams will kind of drop him a good bit. I could see him being 
a sixth or seventh round guy, though. And that's not a knock on him. That's just kind of how it goes in the NFL. Like Sonny has said, it's a it's a weird league. And uh, but I could see I could see a sixth, seventh round uh, pick for for Shane Bouchelle. As far as a combine invite for this year, I think James Prochet deserves one. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Xavier Jones because that's a guy that if you're an NFL team with the injuries he's had, you want to get him in and you want to get him evaluated and do all those things. And it, and the combine's a good good time to really do that from a medical standpoint. So I, I, I think uh, those two, I think Pat Nelson, Pat Nelson's really one to watch. He's a, uh, He's a freak, man. Uh, so I, I think Pat Nelson, James James Prochet, and Xavier Jones are kind of the ones to watch, in my opinion. As far as uh, the the bowl projections, I did want to touch on that. I think a lot of the buzz, for the most part, right now is around the Boca Raton Bowl and the Birmingham Bowl, and uh, we'll kind of see what happens on Sunday. The college football playoff rankings will be announced, and then they'll kind of go from there and start breaking them all down. I think I'll be able to know beforehand kind of how, not, not like too much beforehand, but I'll, I'll get a, hopefully a tip off kind of where things are headed for SMU. But um, those are the two to watch right now. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, about wide receivers kind of, or, you know, we'll touch on that later when we're talking about um, some of the, the just wide receiver recruits in, in general. Um, all right. So we've seen our first kind of domino fall in the transfers for SMU for Jamie Sackville uh, going going into the transfer portal, and this was an expected move. I didn't expect Jamie Sackville to stick around next year. This was kind of the, the plan going forward: get him healthy, let him sit, and then try to get him if if they needed to, if 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 they even wanted to. Uh, get him some action late in the season and let him punt and, and kind of put some tape out there. And, and so that's what they did. And he, he redshirted and now he's in the portal as a grad transfer. And so that it brought up a good question from Lucky Lax. And it, it's, you know, a lot of people on the board want some players to lose their scholarships or be asked to move on or things like that. What's the blowback from this type of action? Now, there's a difference if if you're a redshirt junior like SF Hilltop said on the board and you haven't done anything at all in your career, I don't, and you graduated, I don't think there's any question that most every college program these days is are, are they're saying, okay, uh, thank you. We appreciate you, but it's time to go. And look, I mean, that, that's just, that's just how it goes. I, I, I think the roster turnover and we've seen it at SMU, the roster turnover has been, impressive with what Sonny Dykes has done, but they've got a, a few on there. And that's the that's the crazy thing is is as good as SMU was this year and you know people talked about the depth on the D line and the offensive line held up real well this year. But guys, this is I mean they were key injury. I mean when Jalen Thomas went down against Navy, I I was sitting there going, oh boy, this one this one's gonna be bad. And but but you know he came back in later and and was fine. But there's not much depth there. There's some guys that are behind everyone that are either true freshmen and redshirting and need time, like like Daniel Sinike or Tay Brooks, or others that just haven't produced at all during their time on at SMU. And you know, it's time for some of those guys to move on. I mean, that I don't think there's any blowback for letting somebody get their degree and 
you know, do that and then and then move on from them and, and go your separate ways. Or if that player wants to keep playing football, I mean, they can drop probably drop down a level and play. I mean, that that's uh, so. I don't think there's any blowback if you like run off a guy, run off a guy, um, which SMB really hasn't done. They've um, some of the some of the guys have just made really bad decisions um, and and been dismissed, but um, they really haven't run too many guys off. They've, they've so I, I I mean there is blowback for it if you just say you know you're done you're not getting re- you know renewed, but they um, I I I don't think there's too much blowback. You'll see some you know somebody would probably be ticked off on Twitter or something like that, but I mean n- nothing nothing major. Um, okay, so finally let's touch on basketball, and then we're going to spend a lot of time talking about recruiting. Uh, obviously, the, the the evaluation period continues for for SMU, and so they're um, they're uh, working on that right now. SMU basketball set to take on Georgetown on uh, Saturday night in Moody Coliseum, eight thirty p.m. Central. It's going to be on ESPNU, so you can follow that there. This is a game that went from you know potential of high profile matchup to right now. I mean, it, it is. Um, it's not great. I mean, this is not a, a basketball game that's going to help SMU in a way. You know, it, it's just, it's become, with with the multiple guys suspended by Georgetown now, including Josh LaPlanc and, and um, Ijinkos and, and, and those guys, and Ijinkos a double-digit score. I mean, all they have is Omar Yurt 7, who's averaging 16 points a game. 9.6 rebounds, and then and then they've got Mac McClung as well, who's playing really well. So th- this Georgetown team, all of a sudden, is is just you're just it's just so watered down. They were already kind of average, um, and so it, it's uh, you know it, it it's it, it's a tough it's a tough tough thing. I mean, I I know they beat Oklahoma State. They 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 circled the wagons and did all that, but this is this is a team that. I don't. This it's just not going to be this great matchup that everybody thought it was going to be. I think, um, at least in terms of helping SMU's cause when it was scheduled. You know, they brought back Patrick Ewing. He was in his first season last year, and and, and SMU got the win up in DC. And now they're 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 going. Uh, they're coming to Moody Coliseum. They're they're a little bit different. They're down a few guys, and. Um, you know, it, it's just um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how this one plays out. Darius McNeil tweeted something kind of cryptic on uh, Thursday night. Picture of him balling. I don't know, maybe just fun. Uh, but haven't heard anything new on his waiver as as far as uh, you know if he's eligible or not. Um, hoping to find out some more soon, but we'll see. Um, but we'll see how SMU does. I mean, they 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 played very average, kind of against a terrible Northwestern State team. I cannot tell you how bad that Northwestern State team is, but um, kind of an average night. I mean, it's nothing special. So um, we'll see how it goes. Eight thirty Central on ESPNU. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk recruiting on the Pony Stampede podcast. So stay with us. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Let's jump into recruiting. A lot of questions right now, obviously, about the program, where things are going. But uh, the main kind of theme of this part of it is, is kind of wide receivers, okay? There's there's uh, there's a lot of guys out there 
that SMU's after. They've seen a lot of them this week from Thad Johnson, Savion Williams, junior college wide receiver Danny Gray, Austin Westlake, wide receiver Mason Mangum is out there. Um, there, there are some other transfers is certainly in the mix as well. And, and here's the thing. I was asked, what are the ideal number? What's the ideal number of wide receivers in a pass heavy spread leaning towards the air raid? There's as, you know, seen as many as 16 scholarship wide receivers. At what number do we start seeing attrition from guys transferring away? Look, the SMU right now is not trying to go to the air raid. And if you watch how they run their wide receivers, they don't substitute too much. I mean, they really don't. Um, and for, especially for as fast as they go. So they, they don't, I mean, this is why you're in shape. I mean, right now they have uh, three, five, s- seven kind of with Austin Upshaw in there and then 10. I think that's a perfect number. I think that's what they want to be at. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think I think 10, 10, 11, I think that that's kind of a sweet spot there. But um, it is it's a tough numbers game. But I think 10, 10 is probably the sweet spot. And and um, especially with the fact that SMU has tight ends on the roster right now, if they were going full spread, I mean, you'd see that jump up to, you know, 13, 14. But um, no, I, it's just it's kind of a you, you've got to. You know, make sure everybody's kind of happy and understands their roles and buying in and and managing all those touches. And here's the thing: as they're recruiting these wide receivers right now, these high end guys like that, like like Savion, like Danny Gray, trying to flip him from TCU. That that's uh, you know that that's kind of the the thing is is you're saying okay, well, we need you to come in right away because we're losing James Prochet, C.J. Sanders, uh, Myron Galliard. And 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 we need depth too. You know, Austin Upshaw is not going to help uh, at the receiver position, and he's still on the roster. And then you know, we're 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 we've got some young receivers, but let's let's rotate a little bit more. We need it. We need guys to come in and step up. So uh, that's kind of the pitch. That's uh, you know, I don't I don't know if there's a order of priority. I think Danny Gray is somebody that they take regardless in a way. Um, and then they'd pick between that and Savion. That's that's kind of how I feel. Um, but with them not having seen Mason Mangum just yet, I think he's. I don't want to say backburnered, but I would say back backburnered kind of kind of in a way. I mean, they haven't they haven't gone in home from from what I've gathered. So um, I think Danny Gray's top of the list. I think that and Savion are then kind of who they decide between. So. Um, We'll kind of see how that goes, um, but it it is uh, it is kind of a you know it's tough. I mean, they've got guys that are interested and are telling them all the right things. So we'll see kind of how it goes uh, with those guys. And um, as far as who are some of the next commitments, I think Devere Levelston is one to watch. He's set to announce here uh, Monday or Tuesday um, after his Illinois official visit. So that's one. Um, that that's kind of the up next guy, I would say at this point. Um, does SMU have a realistic shot at Scooby Carter because of Cameron Jones, or do I see him transferring to another top level Power Five school? I think he goes to Texas A&M, and I don't think SMU ever pushed for him at all. Uh, oh, one last thing on Thad: he doesn't have a a, a forty time that I've found out, but he's a twenty three six in the long jump, which is six. So 
I mean, he's a he's a great athlete. There, there's you don't need much more than that to know that. Um, has SMU been in contact with the Texas punter who's entered the portal? He's probably not going to start next year, but he doesn't suck. He does not suck, and he's talking about Chris Nager, um, who is a uh, you know sat he replaced Ryan Blusovich uh, or uh, Blushevsky. Um, when he got hurt with his broken cavicle, he played really well. Uh, he's just never going to play behind Cameron, uh, Dicker, uh, either, but he can, he can kick and punt. So he's a big deal. Uh, I, I would not be surprised to see SMU be heavily involved with, with Chris Nager from, uh, from Texas. Uh, as far as kind of how they balance the roster, um, I was asked if there's any concern about the roster being unbalanced because of JUCOs and small freshman classes. Um, no, not really. I mean, if you look at, uh, they're kind of getting it under control right now at certain positions. But if you look at uh, running back, that's one they got to get right. If they get a graduate transfer, it should look okay. And then uh, wide receivers balanced, tight ends balanced, offensive lines pretty well balanced. Uh, if you see some attrition in the upperclassmen, um, you know that'll kind of get it back on track. Uh, defensive line is very, very, very well balanced. Um, they'll bring in a JUCO guy who will be a junior next year, for example. That'll kind of balance that out. Linebacker is is kind of unbalanced, and eh, it's pretty balanced, I would say. They've got some young guys there to kind of balance it out. Corners balanced. So right now, I mean, it's all fairly well balanced, I would say. Um, and but that's all the numbers game and all kind of how they handle all of that right now. Finally, was uh, asked about kind of how this season has impacted SMU in terms of the the money, the money flowing into the program, um, the future of of, donor, of donors. Um, does it bring new money and things like that? And and are the more traditional big money donors feeling? You know, a little bit more generous. And I think, and I haven't had a ton of discussions on that, but like we talked about last week on the podcast, and it's kind of relevant now as Rashad Samples got his, is going to get a pay raise and is is going to get a bigger role uh, now that he has decided to stay at SMU, uh, which we reported on, on Thursday. It's, or was it Wednesday? Either one. That takes money. That takes people staying committed to program. And my the feeling that I got was that yes, there are the 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 traditional major donors are definitely they are in. They are like you know what this is great. Yes, you need more money for a coach. Yes, let's do it. Let's keep that going. There are also there's also just more fundraising going on though for, in general. Uh, I, I would think because you're capitalizing on this, so you feel more comfortable asking for money, whether it be a weight room, whether it be coaches raises, whether it be this or that or, or, or other needs for the program, just as an athletic department, you feel better asking for that. And so you feel better getting outside of even your, I think, normal target area of donors. And so I think there are people that are more willing to spend money on football uh, as a start. And then those people will be kind of your younger money, maybe your, your new, uh, newfound donors kind of deal. 
uh, where, where you've got to nurture that as you, because I mean, and a lot of you guys listening to this podcast donate money and, and understand it. I mean, you are, it, it is kind of a, it's a bill. It, you're, it's almost like you're getting recruited, uh, when you work in a athletic department in, in development, it is, you're recruiting your donors and you're recruiting, you've got to have a good relationship with them and you hope that they quote unquote commit to you. And that's kind of how it goes. And so I think when you're, when you have a season like SMU just had, you're able to capitalize on it. You're able to say, Hey, uh, young, successful, um, you know, 20, 27 year old type of, uh, you know, an associate, you know, in Dallas at, at a, you know, uh, energy company, Hey, come on, uh, let's go have lunch. Let's talk. And, and you can kind of get out of your comfort zone and start to try to, you know, bring in some of that new money because SMU needs it. And, and a lot of these, you know, high, high powered money guys aren't obviously going to be around forever, unfortunately. And, um, they've got to build that new generation. And I think they're doing a good job of it for sure. And, uh, but there's a lot of positivity around the program. So I think there is, I don't think you're going to suddenly see new people just jump in with, you know, you know, $5 million donations or things like that. But there are people that are going to be stepping up that might be newer people, but they won't, they won't have their name on a building right away or anything like that or, or, or things of that nature. But, um, it, uh, it, it's certainly being discussed and worked on and all those things. So, um, with that, guys, I, I think that's going to do it for the pod. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, there's a lot going on in recruiting, so I know it's really fluid, and it, it is kind of hard to follow, uh, but we, we feel like we're doing a decent job for you guys on Pony Stampede, keeping you guys in the latest uh, loop on what's going on. There will be a couple of official – there will be one official visitor on campus – uh, when he arrives, we'll post that on Pony Stampede. It's a big one, so uh, keep it locked on Pony Stampede for that. And uh, we will keep you guys in the loop. Hope you guys enjoy the pod. Uh, enjoy our game coverage of SMU Georgetown on Saturday. And and keep it locked on Pony Stampede for, for the bowl coverage on Sunday. We'll see where SMU lands and heads off to postseason play. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend.